Welcome to This Is Life. Hello. I hope you guys are staying safe and warm out there. Uh, like I, I just hope every single week. I know that this is a trying time for a lot of people. Uh, I mean, this is this is a intense time. It's not like uh, anything we've really ever seen before. It feels like we're saying that a lot lately, right? <laughs> There's just a a lot that is uh, going on in the world. Uh, I feel like every single, almost every single month, we are all experiencing a once in a lifetime event, right? <laughs> so whether it be the pandemic or major snowstorms and 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 locations that don't see any kind of this kind of weather on a regular basis at all. Uh, like, of course, the whole state of Texas is just, I mean, at one time, every single county in the state of Texas was under a winter weather warning, which if you're in Kansas, like I am, uh, that's, you don't even bat your eye, this is winter, this is what happens here. But when you are in Texas, uh, especially southern Texas, um, the, the winter weather is not only really rare, but it doesn't last. It's like a day or two of maybe really cold or snow, uh, but typically it's gone uh, pretty quickly as soon as it came in. Uh, I've, I'm actually was born and, and raised in Texas for most of my childhood. Uh, and uh, have my family lives in the Dallas area now. And I've been there when it snows. You know, we've had a couple Christmases where it has snowed, but it's usually a light, fluffy snow that's gone within 24 hours. And now it seems as if you can't go on the news or any kind of social media without just seeing just devastating videos and, and news reports of people who are just hurting. I mean, by the millions. I mean, not only are people without power, as if that's awful enough. I mean, being without power in the middle of, 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 of incredibly low temperatures. Uh, I mean, especially if you have family or, you know, like children or, or pets or elderly. I mean, that alone is, is, is dangerous. I mean, because you can't cook, you can't heat, keep your house warm. I mean, let alone you're you know, just stuck doing, you know, having to be creative and trying to keep ways to keep occupied and safe and everything else. But then all of a sudden you start throwing in all the after effects that happen when power does go out, like pipes freezing or worse, even busting. Or I've seen even high videos of high rises and and apartment buildings where the sprinkler systems just bust. I mean, sure, if you have a home, you can go and turn off the main water supply. If God forbid your pipes bust, but if you are in an apartment complex or hotel or something like that, or some a building where there's a sprinkler system, um, good luck because that's just going to flood everything and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I mean, I was even heard about uh, the, this parking garage in, in Texas where the, the sprinkler system had busted and just the ice froze and people couldn't even get their cars out of the parking garage because their cars were literally frozen to the, to the, to the concrete. And it's like, Oh, so, but just the heart has been going out praying and just trying to figure out ways that we can, you know, support them. And I'm constantly giving my, my family in Dallas a call, making sure they're doing okay. And people I know and love down there. And thankfully everyone that I'm in contact with, my family is doing okay, but there's many, many people that are not. And, you know, and I've seen both sides. I mean, I, I've seen people who have been very compassionate and loving and caring. And I've seen a lot of videos of people, like if you're on TikTok, where people who are in the north who are way more used to this kind of weather have all these tips and tricks of ways for people to keep warm. I've even learned a lot of different things on how to keep warm in, in the middle of uh, dead of winter with no other heat source other than ingenuity. Uh, so that's been really interesting and learning, and it's definitely been helpful to a lot of people, hopefully. Uh, but, but, 
but to some people, man, I mean, the people are like, well, they should have been more prepared. Well, this is Texas, guys. This is not, we're not talking about Minnesota here. We're talking about Texas. I mean, how often does Ohio or even Kansas, how often do we prepare for a hurricane? All right, that'd be the exact same situation. So if all of a sudden I'm having to start boarding up my windows because I'm about to get a Category 5 hurricane coming to Kansas, I, I would not be, I would, I would not know what to do. I would not know how to, 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 to handle that. I mean, uh, sure, I know how to handle tornadoes. I know how to handle extreme cold weather. I know how to handle, you know, even extreme heat, uh, be able to prepare and to take care of my family and basic needs and those kind of things. But there are certain weather patterns that I just don't know how to prepare for, and that's what happened. You have houses that were not insulated or built, you know, for, for this. And so when you couple that with lack of experience or know-how for the majority of people, you know, who are just trying to get by in life, you know, go to work and feed their you know, children and, and, and take care of their bills. I mean, none of these people would con would consider themselves at any point in their time, if they're living in a warmer climate, to have to be dealing with sub-zero frozen temperatures along with an ice and winter and snow storm. And so the number one thing that you and I can do, especially if we are maybe more apt to, you know, this kind of weather is just to have compassion. Number one, at the very least have compassion. Don't be judging them because they, you know, are suffering. You know, that's the worst thing any of us can do. Uh, because let me tell you something, you know, it's that old saying when the fingers pointed forward, there's four more pointing back at you. Right. So, um, we you know, it's like, we have to understand that, that compassion has to be our number one thought. Uh, not just as believers, but just as mankind, because we very well can find ourselves in the same shoes. And God, you know, hopefully God will, you know, open up people's hearts to us to be able to help us in a time of need. And just as we are helping others in need when we are helped, that's the whole point of society and civilization. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's times like these where the reality of people's hearts and, and just become apparent. I mean, I've seen videos of lines outside of grocery stores. I mean, blocks long, blocks long to get into a grocery store and takes an hour, two hours just to get in after the waiting and all this cold. And by the time they get into the grocery store, all the produce is gone. All the meat is gone. All the bread is gone. All the milk is gone. There's nothing there. And I mean, just how heartbreaking it's because people are buying more than they need. They're just hoarding. And I mean, I'm just like, come on, we, we got to like, especially in these circumstances, we got to just start thinking of others and taking care. I get it. Definitely take care of yourself and your own, but don't go to the point of where you are taking so much of yourself that you are not leaving enough for somebody else. Now, somebody would say, well, Sean, they should have been more prepared. They should have done this and that. And we're going to talk about that today. And I agree that I think that everybody listening and everybody out there, you ought to have some sort of emergency preparation. That's just, doesn't matter if you're looking for the end of the world, if you're looking for a bad storm or your electricity going out or your water stops running. I mean, whatever it is, you should have at least two weeks of food in a storage somehow, some way. Make sure you have extra water. Uh, make sure you have different 
different ways to heat. Uh, you know, if you know if if you if you don't if you don't have power if you don't have electricity, how are you going? To think of ways of how you can keep stay warm. You know, in the circumstances, I think that we all should have that kind of mentality. Uh, l- luckily, thankfully, in, in a lot of ways, we're really fortunate. We're really blessed that we don't have to think about those things every single day, like generations upon generations upon generations had to before. You know, the, the last hundred years, um, finding suitable heat and shelter and food was a way of life. It was a lot harder and a lot more difficult. And Lee had to become with a lot more creativity than just going down to the drive-through or just turning on your thermostat. You know, there was obviously a lot more to it. And I think, you know, in a way that that's important that we learn some survival skills. That's why uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm infatuated with, uh, oh, what's his name? Bear Grylls. Okay. I mean, that guy, of course, is uh, way more manlier than I am. But he, his, his entire, when he does his TV shows, when he does his, you know, um, talk shows, whatever, it's all about surviving in the most difficult circumstances and situations. And when I'm watching it, it's mostly just on the spot instincts just really letting your instincts be that which guides you and obviously you want to know something you need to make sure that you're not you know doing things that are dangerous or harmful to you while you're trying to save yourself but you know my my point is this guys that we there is definitely personal responsibility that is required when faced with certain circumstances we should never 100% rely on somebody else to take care of us when we are in need. However, comma, there's sometimes when we are just in need and if it wasn't for somebody else coming to help us, then we could be in a really awful, bad situation. Let me give you an example. Here this last week, uh, over the weekend, uh, we we learned that it's going to get dreadfully cold here in Kansas. I mean, we're talking like negative 17 degrees overnight air temp and you're talking negative 25 35 for uh you know wind chill i mean just dead just dastardly cold and uh you know i i have taken the mean the means necessary to protect my home as best possible against free frozen pipes and you know i i don't i don't overexert our energy you know we have blankets around i have a fireplace if we need to be i mean i i really have tried to keep my place safe uh, for uh you know for, for to help against any kind of threat if it comes to if we lose electricity during the bad weather praise god we haven't had to do any of those things we've just you know definitely done our part to make sure that all the lights are off and things are unplugged if we don't need them and we keep our temperature lower you know that way we can kind of share help others you know to, to share the, the the power on the grid so we don't all run out if we're all just you know selfish and hoarding electricity eventually it's going to overrun the system Anyway, back to my example. So over the weekend, we learned that we we're about to have this really bad storm coming up, like we're all experiencing here in some way. At least if you're listening to me from the middle of the United States, that's just a part of our life right now. And we have been in contact with my father-in-law, who lives by himself, just him and his two dogs. And he lives in a very, very old house. And honestly, it's an old furnace. And I mean, just we were really concerned, you know, that he was going to be able to stay warm enough when he gets down to the negative temperatures. So the whole family has been in contact with him, making sure that he's doing okay, you know, making sure that the pipes don't freeze, make sure his furnace is working, all of that business. Well, it got to the point on Saturday night and, and that he had a kind of 
wave the white flag and be like, uh, guys, I'm going to need some help. Um, you know, can I stay with you guys? Stay with us. And so we were more than happy to welcome him and his dogs over to our house. And it's actually been a real big blessing because the whole COVID thing, um, I haven't really got to see him much, you know, because he's a bit older. We wanted to make sure that, you know, we keep him healthy, him healthy and uh, us healthy. And um, we, you know, however, he just recently got the va- he recently got the first dose of the vaccine. Uh, we just recently, you know, praise God, got over COVID. So, you know, we feel pretty secure and safe um, and had inviting him over. Plus, on top of that, uh, we don't want him to have to deal with the uh lack of heat in his house i mean it was getting to be with the furnace couldn't even keep up i mean it's as the temperatures are dropping so is the drop the temperature in the house i think he told me it was it was barely keeping above 50 55 degrees and i don't care who you are <laughs> you, even me i like colder houses but that's just a little bit too much and nobody you know especially older people uh should have to you know be dealing with that and, and on that note by the way i hope that all of you if you are suffering with this extreme temperatures that you are checking on your neighbors checking on your families you know make sure you you know if you know somebody who may be vulnerable or potentially vulnerable make sure you give them a, at least a very least a very phone call or text or somehow communicate with them to see if there's any way that they can need help even if it's just a, a conversation or you know offering to bring over a cup of hot coffee and talking for a little bit just whatever it takes you know just to kind of help ease this discomfort that we're all kind of all feeling now uh, assuming you have power and able to do that anyway uh but just take care just you know, we got to take care of one another and so anyway so he uh, my father-in-law uh, he came over and and uh, took a little bit to kind of get settled but he, with, he brought his over to two little dogs uh, of course i have an english bulldog who's very feisty uh so it takes her a little bit to get used to those other dogs in the house uh, we try to keep them separate just because you don't need any dog fights breaking out uh the cats uh, we have just kind of keep to themselves no big deal uh they're you they're, they're probably much happier with these little dogs you know who don't care about them rather than having piper our english bulldog chasing them all over the place so anyway but we are really grateful to be able to have my father-in-law over and i've just seen it as an opportunity just to you know i mean the, the, just just to share just just to share some hospitality and and some care and and you know we got to be able to watch basketball games together he's been able to um you know keep our daughter occupied you know she's she's loving that and having her grandpa over and and just all these wonderful things and it just really got me thinking guys i mean that's just it, it was a no brainer i mean literally as it would be for anybody i think who loves their family it'd be a no brainer that if somebody was in need uh, especially like that, especially for somebody in your family, that you would take them in. And, you know, what's really interesting about the circumstances and situation that's going on all across the nation, and specifically in Texas, where they're not used to this kind of, and just, just people are, like I said, just being overwhelmed with just dilemma after problem after dilemma after issue. I mean, just all sorts of things that are just coming in and not everybody, but a significant portion enough to where it's making the news headlines and people are really struggling. Uh, what is your response to that? You know, what, how, what is your first response? Your first response of, well, they should have known better or, oh, they weren't prepared or is your response, man, I hope that they're finding a way to get taken care of. I hope, well, what, what can I do even from several states away to help them? You know, hopefully that's kind of our mindset, especially as believers. I mean, we're supposed to be the ones who are, again, I tell you this every single week, but it's just because it just goes without saying. We need to be the ones that are leading the charge and caretaking of the society and of people in general and you know so 
I hope that churches down there are opening up, and I hope that Christians are opening up their homes to friends, family members, maybe even strangers, just trying to figure out a way to help keep us all get through the storm, you know, uh, as, as easy as possible, even when over things are overwhelmed. Well, there are some in leadership, specifically in city leadership, that are not doing that at all. They, in fact, they are doing everything, single thing opposite than caring for the people whom they are over or people who are reliant upon the city leaders to do something when uh, there's a disaster that we are seeing. There's one particular uh, story that's came out of the news this past week. And again, this is a rare circumstance, but it still happens and it still happened. And it's still absolutely just uh, mind boggling to me. There's a, he's a mayor out of a city called Colorado, Texas, Colorado city, Texas. Uh, his name was Tim Boyd. And he wrote a, a very colorful Facebook um, just expressing his opinions on, on people who are in need or who are going through struggles right now with this uh, frozen tundra. And again, that is not something that they would be used to. This is in West Texas. I was born in West Texas. Um, I know that occasionally it will snow there, but again, it's not like anything you've seen in the North or Midwest or anything like that. It's a very rare occurrence. I mean, most of it is just desert and flat. And we're talking, we're talking where it's just, it's just dry and just cactuses and burrs. And is, you know, you ever seen those, uh, you know, old Westerns where the tumbleweed is rolling across the, the road. That That's what this is, right? And this is, this is West Texas. It's flat and it's literally desert. Rattlesnakes roam there. And all of a sudden to, to have this negative degrees and ice and pipes bursting, and it, it's not something that is, again, that they're used to. It's something that just is foreign to them. I mean, just how to even react and respond to it. And this leader of the city, this mayor, rather than choosing to have compassion and to figure out even creative ways to take care of those in the city, he used this as an opportunity to blast people who are in need rather than find ways to help them. Let me, let me read you this Facebook post. It's, it's going to be appalling to you as it was me. And I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to, um, the bleep myself. He, he even says a few words. So if you have children, you might want to, I don't know, censor or what have you, but give them headphones. I don't know. It's not like real bad language, but I, to everyone has their different degrees on what they consider bad language. Uh, but I'm going to read it to you as he said it. So you can kind of understand and hear from this mayor what he said to his city. Now, I do need to mention, uh, he, I don't know that there's been an apology. I do know that he removed it. Uh, he removed the post and he's also resigned. Uh, so there's that. But I do know that they, later on, he basically stood he stood, stood by what he said and said, I don't regret anything that I said, but apparently it hurt some people, so whatever. I mean, just, just the attitude in this guy. Tim Boyd. And, and, and the fact that he also uses God in this, just as unbelievable. Listen, listen to what he says. This was a Facebook post. Again, this was a mayor of Colorado city, Texas. And this is what he said to his city of people who are struggling. Okay. Ceilings are falling in pipes are bursting. People are have indoor waterfalls in their house and are just desperate. Don't know what to do. And this is what their mayor said. A city elected mayor. Now he goes, he goes, let me hurt some feelings while I have a minute. 
No one owes you or your family anything, nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city and county, along with power providers or any other service, owes you, all caps, nothing. I'm sick and tired of people looking for a damn handout. If you don't have electricity, you step up and come up with a game plan to keep your family warm and safe. If you have no water, you deal without and think outside of the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you're sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there because... And let me say that again. If you are sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you're lazy is a direct result of your raising... Only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Folks, God has given us the tools to support ourselves in times like this. This is a sadly a product of a socialist government where they feed people to believe that the few will work and others will become dependent for handouts. Am I sorry that you have been dealing without electricity and water? Yes, but I'll be damned if I'm going to provide for anyone that is capable of doing it themselves. We have lost sight of those in need and those that take advantage of the system and mesh them into one group. Bottom line, quit crying and looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. Bottom line, don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. All caps. Lovely, huh? Now, first off, there's a few things that we could, you probably going through your head, same thing that was going through my head when I first read this. Okay, number one, this is a city, this is a city leader, a duly elected mayor of a city whose sole responsibility is for his city, for his people. His sole responsibility, the reason why they pay taxes to that city is so that they can have the infrastructure and the reliance upon the city that if we are in need of basic necessities like electricity and water, your responsibility is to help and to make sure that I have those things. I don't think it's asking for a handout for basic necessities like like, like water and electricity when we are living in America, especially. Uh, especially when you pay those bills, when you're paying for your electricity, you're paying for your water, you're paying the city taxes, all of those things. Now I get, believe me, I understand. The city's probably struggling just as much as anybody else. You know, I don't know that there is a way that they can, you know, set apart, uh, you know, a place to for warming centers or whatever, like a lot of the other cities. I don't know. I know it's a small town, but to come across like this to basically where you are, just punishing and chastising your people, your citizens of your city because they are in need, come off it. And especially that, that line where he says, um, God has given us the tools to support ourselves in times like this. This is sadly a product of a socialist government where they feed people to believe that the few will work and others will be, become dependent for handouts. Um, guys, uh, are only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Like, is that, is that what you want? Now, I got to thinking, unfortunately, this is a mindset of a lot of people, and, and even specifically Christians. You know, you hear that, you ever heard that phrase, God only will help those who help themselves? I mean, just this mentality where uh, if you are not able or willing to, 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 to take care of yourself, that you are somehow then uh, exempt from somebody else helping you. And if I remember correctly, and I've seen in scriptures, Jesus did not have a litmus test. He did not have a, 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 um, a you know, a, a conditions on whether or not he gave you a miracle, uh, whether he, whether he, 
you know, fed you when you were in need. And in fact, we're about to go in the scriptures here where it's completely the opposite, where regardless of circumstance, need, or even capability, that that didn't matter to Jesus. His sole mission was to serve others, as should our sole mission. And especially this guy, he's using the words like God and 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 things like that. So that tells me that he, you know, probably goes to church at the very least. Maybe he claims of a Christian like most, you know, Texans do. Um, he has struggles probably. I, I don't even know the guy's read his Bible because the, the Bible is very clear that especially talking down to people who are struggling is a, is, is a bad choice at the very least. Um, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, he said only the strong will survive as the deadly winter storm is damaging and, and, and just overwhelming his city. Um, so, okay. So, so where I want to go from here. Well, let's go to let's go to the scriptures. I think that's probably the best place to go, just to kind of help clarify our responsibility. Regardless, of, I don't care if you're a mayor, if you're a pastor, or if you're just a neighbor, especially believers, our responsibility to ta- take care of somebody else, especially those who are in need does not have limitations. It does not have a certain, like there's, there should not be bought check boxes that have to be marked in order for us to be able to be like, okay, you've, you've done this, this, and this, and this. Now you're worthy of my help. Now you're worthy of my hospitality. Now you're worthy of my, of my food that I have in my cat covered. Now you're worthy of, you know, of, of my help because you have done X, 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 these things, these things in front of me. Um, but man, I mean, that's, that's how a lot of society is, you know, it's like we, it's like we condition, um, uh, you know, to who, who, by basically by just a judgment on who can needs help and who doesn't need help and who deserves help, not only who, who needs help, but just who deserves help. Uh, God, it, it just, it's just really, really frustrating. Uh, let's go to, okay. The, the, the first thing when I read this, when I, when I, it kind of got me thinking of the, do you remember the story where one of Jesus' first miracles where he fed the 5,000? Okay. For just real briefly, he, Jesus was preaching and, and, and teaching. And I mean, just, he was gathering quite a large crowd. I mean, up to 5,000 people. And if you've ever seen 5,000 people, but I mean, it's quite a bit. I mean, if you were to go to any kind of concert or something like that, even in a smaller venue, uh, I mean, you could probably see at least a thousand people. I mean, if you ever go to, you know, any kind of thing, you just, you know, just kind of imagine your mind, 5,000 people, a lot of people. And that's a lot of, um, different lives and personalities and people who from different backgrounds, different, you know, income rates. I mean, you have all 5,000 people, 5,000 stories, 5,000 different souls who, you know, all of a sudden are in front of you. And it was, uh, so I got to thinking, well, was there any kind of, uh, did Jesus in that story, was there ever any time where Jesus is like picky on whom he would make sure got fed that day? And so I went back to the scriptures and no, and not only that, uh, but even something else glared out at me. Well, let's talk about it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Again, I'm going to put all the scriptures we're talking today in the description notes. So if you don't have your Bible in front of you, just head over to the description notes of the podcast and you'll be able to read along with me. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Okay. When Jesus saw, when Jesus landed, okay. 
He saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And now as the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now, that's important. I've always skipped over that verse. I'm like, let's get to the good part. Let's get to the part where the miracle of the of the, of the, of the, loaf, the five loaves of bread and the two fish happens, and he makes that you know, last and, and, and go for 5,000 people. Let's get to the good part. But what's interesting about that scripture stood out on me today. Let me read it again. This is a remote place. It's already getting late. This is disciples telling this to Jesus. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. These were not needy people. These were not people who were suffering even. These were not people who were, I mean, sure, some of them were hungry, but obviously the disciples were telling Jesus, listen, let's go ahead and call tonight. Let's go ahead and separate. You know, we've had a good day of miracles, a good day of preaching, a good day of, of healing and talking and ministering. Now let's just kind of, let's just, let's just call tonight and go do our own thing, right? And he, they even said, let the people go and buy themselves some food. So right there acknowledges that these are capable people, that these people had the means to go and get their own food. Okay, that's important. Verse 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And 17 says, um, we have only here five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. So he told everybody, have a seat. We're about to have some dinner. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's right. It wasn't even just 5,000 people. It was 5,000 men plus women and children. So you're talking maybe another several thousand at least. Let's say if it was like even 10,000 people, give or take. Okay. Um, that's a lot of tiny, tiny, tiny sandwiches. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was, there was, there was a miracle that Jesus saw there, people who were in need and they were, I don't know, again, in need subjectively. I mean, they, again, they could go out and be capable to go out and buy their own food, but it's like, no, let's just, let's just make this a time where we can just break bread together and just still maintain this level of, 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 of fellowship. You know, I didn't want it to end. And that, to me, just speaks volumes to me. It's completely opposite of what this mayor was saying. This mayor was saying that you need to go and, you know, just, just well, let me let me look at it again. I mean, just just because I want to make I don't I, mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I mean, he said enough in his own his own self. Uh, if you have no water, you deal without and think outside of the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you're sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you're lazy is direct result of your raising. Okay. I guess he's trying to tell people you, you should have thought about this a long time ago before we had a blizzard and an ice storm come and, and destroy your everything you own, love, and, and have. Again, West Texas here. But he's just like he's blaming the people. And okay, I get, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's important for everybody to have a measure of emergency supplies and knowledge 
just to have. That's 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 just important. That's just wisdom. But to berate people who and to put them down, especially as a city leader, where it is your responsibility, your sole responsibility is to your city, then to put them down and to say, we're not coming to help because you didn't help yourself. Do you not? Am I the only one that just finds that just absolutely appalling? And, you know, can you imagine if Jesus would have said that? Jesus would have said, no, you know, I'm only going to feed those, you know, who are able to, who are capable uh, you know, who, who, uh, you know, who help themselves. I'm not even, you know, well, you're lazy, you know, and he didn't say that everybody, regardless of who they were, if they were capable or not, they men, women, children, Jesus fed them. And he found a way to make sure that everybody was taken care of. And that's what we ought to do, especially as Christians and and especially as leaders. I mean, I can't even tell you that all the times as a pastor that I had to creatively find ways to fill needs in the church. I mean, especially when the ties were low and the church of bills still came, I mean, we had to cut corners and do, you know, thing, whatever we could to make sure that I could still have church on Sunday. Um, you know, so it's like, or if somebody was in need, you know, or somebody came to me and says, Hey, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm coming to you as a last resort pastor. Cause I can't pay my electricity bill this week. So I make phone calls and I just last people around, Hey, such and such is having a really hard time. Is there anything we can do to help them out this week? And you know, most of the time we, God provided through his people to help those who are in need. Again, though, capability does not negate serving. Just because somebody's capable does not mean that you should be like, well, since you can do it on your own, I'm not going to help you. My father-in-law, for a great example, this week, like I said, he's been hanging out at our house, and he's very capable. He's very capable of cooking him for himself. He's very capable of, you know, taking care of his dogs. I mean, oh, he's very easy. He still gets around just fine. But I've used this now as an opportunity to bless him. You know, I mean, he... Uh, I, I've used opportunity just to, to not only to make him dinner, but to make sure, you know, I go ahead and plate his food for him and bring it over to him. You know, I walk his dogs for him. I mean, yeah, he still does those things himself, but if I'm able to, I have no problem. I'd like to, as a host, to be able to serve him. And just to, and he even said last night, you know, he's like, man, I'm going to be sad to leave. This is, I'm getting spoiled around here. You know, the good cooking and just, you know, just, just being with his granddaughter. And that just makes me feel good. That makes me feel good because that makes me, you know, just uh, know that I'm being the best host I can, and he just feels that my house is a safe place and a place that he enjoys being. Uh, that's the way we ought to be, right? I mean, Christians, when we have our churches and we open up our homes and we open up even our hearts, those ought to be places that people want to be. That ought, those ought to play be, you know, people ought to want to be around you. I mean, people, uh, Christians, for some reason, like to think that that the world is something that should be shunned. Sure, the the sin of the world and the bad choice of the world ought to be shunned, but the world as as in its people, his people are the ones who, I mean, for crying out loud, they were literally cutting out holes in roofs of houses to get to Jesus. I mean, are we that you don't sure don't see them doing that to churches nowadays because churches have just not become welcome, comfortable, loving, hospitable places. It's, 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 they've been very self-serving. And I just, I, I don't want that, especially, you know, we ought to be 
uh, you know, people ought to want to be around you. If people want to speak good about you, people want to, you know, just in society in general, just want to say wonderful, good things about you. That's what we should be searching and hoping for. We shouldn't be hoping for and searching for people to, to speak ill of us or to, you know, speak negatively of us. You know, we ought to be, again, this a, a, a rather than, well, like we talked about last week, every single thing that we do say and believe in are is fueled by love because if it's not if we don't have love in our hearts we're not being fueled by that love every single thing we do it might as well be a clanging clashing gong it's just it's, it's ear piercingly awful and so you know we got we just got to keep that in our heart and our mind realizing that that is our responsibility and also just it's a joy Serving others ought to be a joy, especially, I mean, if you're a mayor of a city, uh, you should take that as an awesome opportunity to be like, you know what? I got, this is my time to shine. My people are in need. Let's do this. Roll up our sleeves and help one another out. You know, why is he not, why is he there sitting there writing a Facebook complaining about how his people are being, you know, searching for handouts. He could use that very well energy to go knock on doors in the city, be like, hey, I'm your mayor, and what what can I do? How can I help you? Well, you know, do you need help with, your, your, you know, your, do you need help with squeegeeing water out of your, you know, out of your out of your house? Do you need, you know, some tips on how to stay warm? How you doing? Here, you know, here, my wife made this awesome casserole tonight. I, you know, I don't have a lot of food, but all, what I have, I'll try and help you with. I don't know. I may, maybe I'm just a weird one, but I, my my point is this: is that that especially as leaders, especially when we are supposed to be in, uh, you know, in, in some sort of responsibility with, you know, I don't say over, but you know, I guess just some responsibility for people, um, you know, which which again are all of us as Christians, you know, people like to pick on pastors as leaders and say that they hold their higher standard, but honestly, Christians in general. We're, we're the pastors of the world. We're, we're the caretakers of the world. Uh, in fact, let's talk about that. Uh, do you remember uh, the, the John, you remember the story of Peter uh, when he when Jesus came back to him uh, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected? Jesus uh, met with his disciples along the Sea of Galilee and ate with them. And Peter, if you remember, Peter was the one that after they had arrested Jesus. Uh, right before that, actually, right before Jesus was arrested to be crucified, uh, Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows the next day, you're going to deny me three times. And of course, Peter, his disciple who loved Jesus with all of his heart was even like some people say he was Jesus's favorite. Like, there's no way Peter's like, there's no way I'm going to deny you. Not at all. And of course, what do you know? Before the rooster crowed the next morning, after Jesus was arrested, people were like, "Hey, I, I know that guy. You're you're Peter. You're one of the disciples of Jesus." And Peter's like, "Who me? No, I, I don't know that man. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know a Jesus. Jesus who?" And it happened three times where Peter denied knowing Jesus. And of course that just wrecked him because he all of a sudden remembered when he heard that rooster crow that Jesus warned him that before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And they just wrecked him. And then of course, Jesus went to the cross, died this horrible death. And it just, it just really just, just, I mean, Peter was just, just overwhelmed with grief. Well, Jesus gave an opportunity in uh, John chapter 21, it tells us about an opportunity for Jesus to make that right, to help 
help to help Peter make that right and to acknowledge that even though you denied me, here's how you can make it up to me. And that is not that the same thing for us is that we deny Jesus all the time. Now that may not mean that somebody says, are you a Christian? Like, no, I'm not a Christian. But whenever we make choices that are contrary to scripture or contrary to Jesus's life or the mind of Christ or his direction for us, we're at the form of denying him because we're not living out to the the full potential of Jesus's love in us. And when we hurt somebody, when we speak ill of somebody else, or when we break somebody else down in a negative way, that is in a way denying Jesus because we're not allowing Jesus to work in us for restoration and for love and for goodness and for grace and for kindness. We're letting our flesh take over. And here's how we can make up to him. John 21 verse 15 through 18. That's what we're going to read says, when they'd finished eating, this is the longest time. Imagine this, Jesus is having basically a picnic. He just revealed himself um, as, as the resurrection. And, and of course, he's just having, he's, he's having this, this lunch, I guess. With, they just had this great bountiful harvest of fish in the sea. And they're eating along the seashore. And this is an opportunity for Jesus and Peter to have kind of a one-on-one. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, he Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Okay, that's important. Basically, Jesus was saying, do you love me more than anybody, anything else? Who, who did you know? And, and, and that's not so Jesus could get some sort of Jesus wasn't fishing for a compliment here. Okay, pardon the pun, but he wasn't fishing for a compliment. He's trying to make a point. He's saying, do you love me more than anybody else and anything else? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse, Verse 17, the third time he said unto him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, this is the same conversation. Third time he said, do you love me? Do you guys get the third time? Again, this is kind of a, uh, this is Jesus's way of helping John, or helping Peter or Simon Peter uh, to make up for those three denials. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Those were all in direct conjunction with what Jesus was saying. Do you love me more than anybody else? And then he's like, then feed my sheep. When Jesus asked, we, that has to be something that we should add, that, that we should be really understand that God's what God asking us. God says, do you love me? And our response and our reaction and the way that we show God that we love him, yes, is to go to church. Yes, is to read our Bible. Yes, is to worship. But honestly, with this scriptures being our precedent, the number one thing that we can do to show that we love God is not even to maintain a righteous lifestyle and not even to maintain no sin, is to feed my sheep, feed his sheep, take care of his people, take care of this earth, 
That's what God is asking us to do. That's how we show God we love Him. And in conjunction, and 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 with with that, when the when the when the motivation is to take care of His sheep, to to take care of His people, to feed and clothe this world, the creation of God, you naturally have a love for God to do those things, and you have a love for people, then that's when you make good decisions over bad decisions. That's when you choose to choose righteousness over sin. You know, you don't ever, no one's, I love my wife with everything in me, right? And because of that, amongst many other reasons, I don't purposely hurt her. You don't see me going around abusing my wife physically or cheating on her or, you know, or, or talking down to her. None of those things. Why? Because I love her. Because I I am I, honored that, that she loves me. And that's the same thing. When you love people, when you love God, you will naturally not be drawn to do things that are contrary and things that hurt and go against them. The third time he said, I'm going to read that scripture again. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Verse 17. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Okay. That's what he's telling. He's asking us to do because honestly, nothing else matters to, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, that's all Jesus did was feed his sheep. And that's who we get the greatest example of how we're to walk and to live and to, 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 um, be his disciples is, is by feeding his sheep. And I just, it just hurts me. It hurts me when I hear about people who are getting who are leadership, like this mayor who just are just so clueless. It's like, I get where they're coming from. You know, I get the whole encouraging people to, uh, you know, to, to, to be prepared, but to knock people and kick people when they're down and going through some of the worst experiences of their life. And, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I heard here recently, even like the, one of the representatives of Texas, Ted Cruz, he went to Cancun, Mexico on a vacation while his entire state is suffering to terribly i mean there's people who are in the lines to get propane and groceries and gas and you know you have these 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 people with these busted you know pipes all throughout their house and i mean again cars that are frozen solid in concrete because of you know frozen you know water i just like you go on vacation now like this is not the time to be going on vacation i hope that's not true but that's what i heard i heard it's actually you know, and I, I don't know. It's not a political thing. I don't care what if you're Republican or Democrat. If you have a responsibility to people and your people are in need, it's not the time to abandon them. Uh, especially if you call yourself a Christian. I don't care who you are. Uh, if you call yourself a Christian, your first and foremost responsibility is to the people whom God has given you charge for. A lot more scriptures I could go in. In fact, there's the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Uh, maybe I'll say that for another time. Um, just because I just kind of I know that we've talked a lot today. Um, I'll put that on the notes just just to have there, just so you can read the scriptures. Um, just for reference here, let me pull those up here because uh, I just don't want to belabor the point anymore. I think you guys kind of get where my heart is here. Uh, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Another set of really awesome scriptures that just prove how important it is to take care of one another, especially when we are in need. And that's not the time to kick and push other people down. It's the time to lift each other up and find creative ways to help each other out. 
So with that mind, with that heart, let's make that challenge this week. You know, I, I know the weather's about to get better. Praise Jesus all across the nation. We're all going to kind of, you know, we're still trying, struggling through this pandemic, but man, we're, we're going to get through this. There's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. The sun always rises when it's dark, you know, but meanwhile, while it's here, those of us who have the light of Jesus in us, let us be a comfort to those who are in need. And even those who aren't in need, let's still take care of them because God has given us so much love, so much grace, so much opportunity that there's enough love in Jesus to go around to everybody, no matter if they want or not. Let's just give that love out and just be a shining example of what it means to be a true follower of Christ. Right? Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Have an incredible, wonderful weekend. Until next time, aloha and mahalo.